Okay, so we're going to start, and we'll just like quickly recap what we started with um, before Yontif. It's like this: the, the whole story in the in, in the Gan Eden with the snake and uh, Adam and Chava is there to help us identify the difference between a person and an animal. Okay, because we said that the most intelligent animal that existed was the snake, and the snake is having a conversation with Adam, basically trying to define what is the difference between animal and a person. Okay? We also said that when it comes to an animal, what is the, always the best thing to do? Whatever it feels like. When it comes to a person... We, yeah, sit down, please enjoy. I hope it's good. Okay, so when the snake is talking to Adam, the snake is... So what's the best thing that the snake wants? That the snake... What is the way the snake can do God's will? Whatever the snake wants to do, because it's embedded in the snake's psyche, or... Um, soul, if you want to call it, to do whatever it wants, and that's okay, because the snake is trained by God, and it has no free will, and therefore, whatever it does, like when you watch these National Geographic things, I did it with a lot of my kids on Zoom because of the corona stuff, when one animal traps or catch another animal, depends who you are, sometimes you're, you're like, you're cheering for the wolf, because he's hungry, and sometimes you're cheering for the sheep, because the sheep needs to get out of the way, so it saves its own life. But, you know, some people don't like to watch these things because it looks cruel. Like, how could you watch one animal beat up on another animal? They should just eat vegetation and everything is good, right? But the way I made it is that the, sh the wolf is not evil for chasing down a sheep and wanting to eat. The bear is not evil for chasing down a wolf and eating the wolf. That's just the way the world works. So when the snake is having a conversation with Adam, there's something very deep going on. Okay, and we said this hidden. The, I think it was the Ramban. <coughs> this hidden the word Arum, meaning the snake was naked. So there's a few ways to learn the word Arum in Hebrew. The word snake, the word naked, Arum. The word Arum means either naked, or it can mean deceptive. But the way we explained it is very cool. Is that it could really mean either one from whose perspective? From the snake, he's very talking, very tzimimistic, very naked, very open, very straight. That's one of my, my favorite drink in America. It says naked on it. Because it's like really fresh stuff, good, um, natural. So the snake is really talking from the bottom of its heart, so to speak, truth. Like, what's what's wrong with you? Why can't you eat from the tree? Don't you want to eat from the tree? Isn't that God's word? It is for me. God's word for me is whatever I feel like. So why can't that be the same for you? But it's a little bit confusing for Adam because Adam has to realize that he's not a snake. And this is where he's failing because he really should realize that you, Mr. Snake, you're following God's will by doing whatever you want. By me, I was chosen to be, I was created to be something that actually has to challenge its its intentions or the outside desires. Okay, I have to challenge that. That's what makes me human is that I can say, you know what, I'm thirsty, but today's Yom Kippur, so I'm not going to drink. A horse, when it's thirsty, sees water, it doesn't think twice. I really should work on my meadows today. You know, a horse doesn't think like that. Okay? A horse sees a female horse and it runs. A human being has to think, is this someone else's wife? You know what I'm saying? We have to, you don't just follow your urges. We're human. So that's the challenge that Adam region has to face. So being that he failed, so it, made, it made things more difficult now. Now the challenge is even more confusing inside. Because now you have to you fight with yourself is what, is what is the right thing? If I come up with a conclusion that something is the right thing, is it really the right thing? Or is it my hormones or my body or my passions telling me it's the right thing because it wants to satisfy its 
its animal desires. So this is the dynamic. So we're, we're, we're going to be trying to focus on um, some concepts in Tanya. So it's called a snake, but the Chazal tell us it had hands and it had legs, which makes it very confusing because it actually looked somewhat like a human being. If we draw a, a diagram of a person just handing, you know, hands hands spread out and feet spread out, and then you cut just in a diagram form, let's not get gross now, right? Cut off his hands and cut off his feet, you end up with a long thing, right? So it could have looked very similar to a human being. According to what the book I was re- I was basing the class on earlier is that <coughs> the snake was a little bit insulted because the human being was looking right at all the animals and giving it names. And also at the same time trying to figure out, is this a proper spouse for me? The ape has a proper spouse. The elephant has a proper spouse. The tiger has a proper spouse. Where is my spouse? And I shouldn't even create her yet. And when it got to the snake and, and ultimately says, I can't relate to you, Mr. Snake gets really insulted. Because again, the snake can walk, the snake can talk, and the snake obviously has intelligence. The only differentiating factor that we're discerning the difference between the snake and the human being was this aspect of the snake having no challenge of free choice and the man having challenge of free choice. That makes things very confusing. If we're talking, right, we're talking, and it's interesting in Halakha Zichud, you know, we learn Halakha Zichud, it doesn't say anywhere in the Torah, you're not allowed to be misyachid with a woman who's married or with a woman you're not allowed relations with. It's a whole story, the Gemara learns it out. Gemara learns it out that when, when a person is alone with his mother and somebody tries to tries to <coughs> get him to serve a Zara, and it goes on to a story about being seduced to a Zara. But Toch Kidei, during the conversation of the Torah explaining this to us, we realize that the man is alone with his mother, which means that, oh, with your mother you're allowed to have Yichud, but not with any other woman that you're not in relations with. What, what's, the, what's the unique situation between a man and his mother? It's a situation where you're not allowed to have relations, but yet you're all allowed to be in the same close quarters with that person. So therefore we see this is the only situation where you're allowed to be in a close proximity situation with someone you're not allowed to have relations with. Therefore, when it comes to a, a friend, the woman, another woman, okay, who's married or she's in a certain state of impurity that you can't, whatever, whatever the case may be, okay, you're not allowed to be in close quarters. You're not allowed to be. That's how the Gemara learns you. How do we get to this? Um, oh, so the 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 snake. The other one is going around looking for the animals and it's saying to the snake, I'm not compatible with you. Why? Because it understands that you're an animal and I'm me. You have natural, whatever you decide to do, you can do, and I, I can't. At a certain level, he discerns that and says to Hashem, like, I haven't found anybody for me. Hashem puts him to sleep, creates Chava, and the story continues. Okay? With the other animals, the animal that. No, the other animals are easier. Because they look different. A giraffe doesn't look like a person. The ape doesn't. I mean, the ape may be bent over and everything like that. There's a midrashim. You can ask if a slave knows more about this than me. Midrashim say that the elephants and the apes, they 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 were, I wouldn't say created, but they were deformed from regular people at the time of the Dora Flaga. They weren't regular animals. They were. They was a really people, and that's why they have very close family relationships and emotions. Um, you know, they're very more than all the other animals. Okay? 
that Hashem, you know, dispersed them across the planet, the Midrashim say that Hashem turned them into elephants and apes. That's why they look like people, the long arms and the whatever. Anyway, so what I wanted to do with this was to, um, now that we have the situation we have, we're after the Eitzadah Tovarah, and we sometimes feel like we don't know who we ourselves are. Sometimes we want to sit in base measures 24-7, and sometimes we want to go hanging out in Ben Yehuda and doing everything that natural, nice teenage American boys want to do. So who are we? Because we can outside of Ben Yehuda. I didn't think about that. That's really... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, right. So um, what Tatania is based on is a very important doctrine, and that is that it's not like you're one confused puppy. Okay. Rather, that there's two parts of, of us. There's, when we say in the morning, there's a neshama elakis, which he calls the nefesh elakis, and there's nefesh of Bahamas. Okay? Now, the nefesh of Bahamas is very easy to explain. Okay? Because the nefesh of Bahamas basically, it, it uh, derives pleasure and it gets its understanding from anything that it, it senses. Okay? Anything that it senses is real for it, and its emotions, its excitement or fear, is very childlike, so to speak. And this is where I love it because it crosses over into psychology, which I'm also studying as a therapist. So it's it's very childlike, and that's what in therapy. I don't know if you've ever heard psychology called something called the inner child. Okay, it's like the the little kid that needs attention, needs a pat on the back, needs praise, needs to be educated, and also needs to be taught to grow up need to be mature to whatever degree possible for us and we'll hopefully discuss methodologies to help it grow up. Okay? Um, so that's the Nefesh Bahamas. And the other side is Nefesh kiss. Now Nefesh kiss also has emotions and it has Seichel. But here's the tricky part. The way to create emotion when it comes to the Nefesh Bahamas, you don't have to create emotion. It's automatic. I see it's a hot day today. I see a cold glass of water. I'm thirsty. I want to drink it. I don't need to be thinking. Let me think. Make calculation. I'm going to dehydrate if I don't drink the water. And there's a cup of water, and it's I could I could have it because it's in Yeshiva, and I'm allowed to have it. I'm feeling a little weak and a little dizzy. I should probably drink water. And as a good Jew, I'll make a shahak on the water and bring a freshness afterwards also. Okay, you're not going to have that type of thought process going on for a glass of water. Okay. It's a Nefesh of Bahamas, it's natural, natural, like the Thursday night scenario going out to town, okay? Nefesh kiss is very different. Nefesh kiss is, you're not going to create emotions of excited to be spiritual, okay, this is a very important point, unless you're going to contemplate and think about why something is true spiritually or intellectually and it's real, and therefore, because of that, I must behave in a certain way. Okay? If a person is not brought up in a normal house, right, and there is a lot of poverty, he might think to himself, the way to make my life better, he's got a lot of money, he left his wallet on the table, he turned the other way, let me get that money for myself. I might get arrested, I don't know what arrest means, I never saw jail, what the heck, I need the money. Okay? An intelligent person would say, well, one second, 
getting arrested <coughs> is not a good idea because then I won't be able to be free and my family won't be able to get a job. So you think about it and say, say okay, I'm not going to, the logical process is going to determine how I behave. Okay, so I need to use logic in order to determine how I behave. Spiritually speaking, you need to do that as well. Now, most people have seicho. Now, here's the tricky part, okay? Does anybody look at creation, look around, and think to himself, look, see that bird? That bird is fine. I wonder who made that bird. Where did that bird come from? Oh, it was always here? I look at my friends. How were they created? Okay, they have parents. Okay, now where did that come from? Just use a little bit of logic. The birds are a government thing? Yeah. That was right after they figured out that uh, Corona is also, I don't know, whatever. Um, the government. The, the government. Yeah, no. Um, the weather systems, okay? The way it's, it's now it's hot. There's spring, there's summer, there's fall. I mean, in Israel, there's no such thing as fall or spring. You notice that? We Two weeks ago, we were using the heaters, and now we're using the air conditioners. That's not fair to call a week and a half spring. Allergy-wise. Allergy-wise, yeah. But I'm just saying, like, in America, this autumn, in the fall, you see the beautiful trees turn colors. It takes a while. Huh? Yeah, the window's open for a few weeks. Yeah, the window's open for a few weeks. Okay. And then it gets a little chilly. So you wear something called a windbreaker or a sweater or a spring jacket. You know, and then like a month later, you know, it's like really chilly. Maybe you should put on the coat, you know. And then a month later, it starts to snow. I need the full gear. I need to put on the, the, the you know. Yeah. Okay. It takes a long time. Here in Israel, it's not like that. Through Sukkot, Amamish, every year in Sukkot, I, I, I go almost every year, go to the same thing. The first half of Sukkot, I need a fan. The second half of Sukkot, I need, I need, a, I need a sweater. I mean, at least my wife, I don't need a sweater ever, but whatever, okay? It does, it just, that's how it is. Circus is just like turns over, and Pesach, right after Pesach, you'll see you'll, the temperature is like, Hashem just turning up the oven, okay? What did I go through from that? Okay, so so the weather system is, is a pattern. You see tornadoes. You, are, these, are these things really just like nature just happens to be? Like, can I really think that these things are just like natural? And they're not orchestrated by any any. If if I'm walking, if we go to to a hike in Engedi, okay, and somebody sits down to take a drink of water, and he sits down and looks on the floor, and he moves his shoe a little bit underneath his shoe, underneath the ground, there's a watch, okay. He bends down and picks up the watch. He finds a nice Rolex watch. Some rich guy was probably traveling this this trail. That's one option. The other option is, you know what? When God created, whenever the Big Bang theory happened, there happens to be a watch right here. It was made with the birds. It was made with the birds by the government officials to watch you. Watch you. Yeah, according to, yeah, whatever. Okay, so is it that? Like, that it was created with the Big Bang? You would think If you were to think of that logic, like, oh, everything was created and there always was it, then yes, if you looked at that watch, then you would say that. Wouldn't say that because it maybe it says on the back made in China and you know that you know yeah. right before the corona they made watches shop. right yeah. so and basically anything the concept is like this anything that has any sense of uh, order to it must have been designed by uh, by something with seichel 
in philosophy class 101 at Brooklyn College, when, they, when I was in that class, they, this is called the argument of, of design. When people want to discuss God existing or not, they will discuss what's called the argument of, de, of design. It must have been created by a higher, a higher um, intelligence. Thank you. If I show you a paper full of words of my notes, well, I'm not going to call my notes. I, okay, let's start again. If I show you a paper full of words, I can tell you that I bought some ink and I put it over here and it fell, and this is what happened. What are the chances that it happened like this? With my poor handwriting, probably no chance whatsoever, but okay that it happened like this. And, in the, and, the, and the ideas that I put down on this paper. That's the chance of the world being created with everything that it has in it is far less possible than just doing one page of, of ink. Okay? But why do we not live with that feeling? Feeling. Why do we not live with that feeling of awe from creation? Because we're not thinking about it. We would, it's called taking it for granted. We take it for granted, and therefore we just, it was here yesterday, so I'm not going to bother thinking about it. So what does the Nefesh Bahamas do? Nefesh Bahamas says, where's the water? Who created the water? I don't care. I'm thirsty. I want the water. So the, that's what the challenge of this world is, in a, in a nutshell, is to use our Nefesh kiss and use our, our brains to try to focus on things that will train our Nefesh Bahamas how to behave. Because Nefesh Bahamas doesn't want to know from intellectual stuff. It just wants the water. It's Yom Kippur. It's not Yom Kippur. It's Tisha B'Av. It's Rosh Hashanah. It's 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 Sukkot. It's Pesach. The Nefesh Bahamas just says, "I'm thirsty. Don't give me don't give me no no brain logic. I don't need that. She's pretty. Don't give me no strings attached. You understand? That's that's all the Nefesh Bahamas wants. We have to deal with this because it's part of us. No matter how much no matter how much the biggest tzaddik is, if a pretty woman walks by, okay. You're aroused. You're aroused because it's natural. It's not bad. It's just that's a natural reaction. So we have to try to understand that we are natural, but it's okay to be natural. But it's also necessary for us to use our brains to create more constructive emotions. And that's what we're going to try to be focusing on this class. That's why I call it a self-development class because you have to know how to develop yourself. You have to know how to develop yourself in a way that's going to be kosher um, and going to make you more capable of fulfilling our mission Hashem sent us down here for. Certainly he didn't send us down here for just to be like a regular Goyesha person who just, you know, he's here to have his um, his life and enjoy. And when he gets older, he'll get older and that'll pass away. And then he makes a tombstone and says, R.I.P. Rest in peace. You were a nice guy and you had a great time and Shalom. God you know, bless. God bless. I always say over, I don't know where I got this from. But um, by the Goyim, when they may have somebody about to pass away, they bring a wreath of flowers to the gravesite. That's how they celebrate. And celebrate. That's how they commemorate the it's lost soul. Huh? To bring flowers to the gravesite? No. So when if you go to a Jewish cemetery, you put a rock. Yeah, well, back in the day, yeah. there was something in the story of Rashi or something. Rashi? Yeah. He used to drop like on those panels and all that stuff. I never heard about this. Okay, that's going to ruin my whole different Torah, but I'll let you go with it because let me just say why. I think I came up with this or some, I heard it. I don't remember. I don't remember where I heard it from, certainly. And I said it over and it's... By a guy, he brings flowers. Now, every week, my wife and I go to the store and buy flowers for shops. Now, what's the problem with buying flowers? The question is, how long will they last? Because once you cut a flower, it's just a matter of time until... It's beautiful, it opens, it opens even more, and then eventually, even if you change water, and even if you're a good boy and cut the stems, 
it's going to wilt and die. It's not meant to live in water, correct. It's meant to live attached to the ground, and that's it. Okay. When a Jew passes away, he brings a rock. Now, if I go to my father Alishon's gravesite and I bring a rock, I bring a rock in, in, in 2005, and then I come back, I go away for a trip, whatever it is, I come back in 2022, and nobody touched the rock. Is the rock going to be there? The rock is going to be there. It doesn't move, it doesn't change. There's a, there's a very um, deep connection to how we view the person and how the Goyesha person views the person. A Bagayasha person, the way a human being is considered is if he's a person, he when he's born, he's caught. And he's put in water in his parents' house. And you bring it up, it grows up to be a beautiful flower, hopefully, okay? And then it gets bigger and grows a family. And then when it gets old, it wilts and dies. And that's it. So that's why the Gayasha Nishama, the Gayasha person, is very much compared to a flower. But the Jewish person says, you were here during this amount of time, but you left to go somewhere else. Like Rabbi Nachman Zatzal said to his daughter, don't be afraid that I'm dying, because it's just like going to another room. I'm still here. I'm just going to go to another room where you won't be able to, to communicate with me. That's all it is. Going somewhere else. Because I'll tell us, if you're in the death, you're a lie. That's why people go to grave sites of Tzadikim, to daven by their grave sites, to ask them to daven and to Hashem on our behalf. And there's close, there's two ways. To daven by a grave site, either to ask the Tzadik to go appeal to Hashem on our behalf, or the more litvish way is to ask Hashem and discuss the Tzadik. It's very dear to fulfill our, our wish. But in any case, that's the two different mahalakha. And so by analyzing ourselves, that we have these two different parts, and trying to train ourselves how to act accordingly and how to deal with our nefesh bahamas and how to cultivate and grow our nefesh kiss, that's what, well, we're going to try to gain some more insights on how to do these things, okay?